Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Well, first things first. I want to call us to, to prayer and to be a people of the scriptures. So we're living in these times in our nation where there's, there's tumultuous things happening and we're all affected by it. And I don't want to get deep into it right now, but I do want to remind us of two things. Number one, be a people of prayer. First things first, really, yes, be a person of prayer and get into the word. You know what it's going to take to survive these days? To know the scriptures, to have the mind of Christ. And so we have to do this as a people. So I, you rem- a reminder, we're walking through the book of Proverbs this month. Today is January 10th. That means we're on Proverbs. Oh man, you guys are good. You're on it today. Yes, Proverbs 10 today, and we'll continue throughout the month of January. I want to put before you what I would consider to be our 2021 verse of the year. Verses of the year, actually, there are two of them. Commit these to memory. You can jot it down. We're going to get you little cards so you can memorize these scriptures. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You trust in the Lord today? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Those those are our verses for the year. I humbly submit to you. Let's be a people of the word. Let's be a people of prayer. In fact, let's pray right now and seek the Lord together. Oh, Father, as we come to you today in light, yeah, of times that 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 are making us scratch our heads, we don't know what to do, Lord. We feel a range of emotions. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, strengthen us to be a people who seek your face, be a people who seek you in prayer. Be people who seek you in your word. I pray, Lord, that we would indeed have the mind of Christ. Because I know this, Lord. In order for us to be faithful, we have to know your, your truths, your principles. We have the example of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we would all cling to that. This morning, Lord, as we consider prayer, and we look at Psalm 139, I pray that you would strengthen us in this way. That we would be your people. So God, we give you our hearts now. We pray you would teach us. And we pray, God, that that we would trust you with all our hearts. Build us up to that end. I pray that we would not lean on our own understanding, but that we would acknowledge you and that you would direct our paths. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So do you know what I mean if I say a fight or flight situation? You familiar with that? Fight or flight. You know, so if you're confronted or or if you come face to face with something that is mentally or physically distressing, there's this thing that happens where, where the blood in your brain flows to the rest of your body, to your muscles, and what do you do? You either fight back or you run and hide. That's, that's fight or flight. So if a burglar shows up at your door, fight or flight. Some of you know what you would do in that situation. If you're out in the woods and you're confronted by a bear, okay, that's, that's definitely this flight. If you fight the bear, good luck. 
But yes, it's fight or flight, right? There's this sense of I'm, I'm, I'm confronted by something terrifying. And, and naturally, there's like this response in our physiology. Well, well, Adam and Eve were confronted with something. Fight or flight is actually in the Bible, I would suggest. And if you look at the story of Adam and Eve, you'll see that they, when they had taken and eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, they were confronted with their sin. That was terrifying, first time. And they had a flight or flight response. In fact, I think we see both in the scriptures. First thing was flight. What did they do? They hid. They tried to hide from God. Fight or flight. Well, they also tried to fight too, because when God gently confronted them, what did they do? They made excuses. They blamed each other. They, they, tried, to, they tried to give an account for what happened. They tried to, to, to write it off and spin the meaning of their actions. Fight or flight. It's as old as, as time. And I think we see fight or flight in our own lives as well. I mean, let's be honest. We fight God. Talk about trying to fight a bear. We, we try to fight God. We resist him. When we're confronted in our lives with challenges or with sins, we, we tend to, to try to attempt to resist and we fight God. In fact, right now, in this room, maybe just to invite you into this message and into this moment, in the quiet of, of your heart and your mind. How are you fighting God? Whether you're in this room, worshiping with us in person, or if you're worshiping us, with us online, how are you fighting or resisting God? Awkward silence. Then there's flight, right? We, we also certainly, we attempt to, to run and hide from God. Just like Adam and Eve. Again, consider in your own life. How even this week have you been running or hiding from God? God's truth. What you know is right. What you know it means to be faithful. How are you resisting? How are you running from? Fight or flight is something we see in our own lives. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that I want to share with you from, from Mere Christianity. This might be a book that you've read previously. If it's not, you should put it on your list for 2021. Listen to this quote from Lewis. He says, we start out getting rid of some of the more obvious and obnoxious sins. I kind of laughed at it this week as I was thinking about obnoxious sins. My family doesn't think I've gotten rid of mine. He says, we thank God for his help and say, well, that's enough. After all, I don't want to be a saint, just a good, decent sort of guy or gal. And we think this to be humility. When in fact, it is quite the opposite. It is the pushing away, the pushing away, the fighting, the flight against God. Not allowing him to work in you, to will, and to act according to his God purposes. That click with any of you? That we resist God? The, the psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 139. Malachi read a bit of it for us. If you pick back up in verses 5 through 7, the psalmist says this. I think the psalmist understands the fight or flight thing. He says, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Flight. 
Where can I flee from your presence? Fight. You see it? It's here in the Scriptures. You know, we're talking about first things first. And, and the suggestion is that prayer should be the primary thing in our lives. It holds the first place, so to speak. There's primacy in prayer. And I would suggest to us today that the opposite of fight or flight is prayer. Not running, not hiding, not, not resisting or fighting against God, but rather embracing Him, coming before Him with prayer. I'll put my premise again in front of you this week. Here's my premise. Prayer is both a conversation and an encounter with God. Prayer is a conversation and an encounter with God. If we're willing to engage in the struggle, and you know it's a struggle in your heart, the struggle in your heart to ask God for help, if you're willing to engage in that, then we can experience the intimacy of finding His grace. Prayer is a conversation, an encounter with God. It takes some work too. Look, we're going to look at Psalm 139 here this morning together. And I'm putting this before us in this way, okay? This is an amazing example of a conversation and an encounter with God. I think this is a prayer. In fact, I would encourage you, adopt this as your prayer. Sometimes you've ever in a position where you're like, I don't know what to say to God. I know I'm supposed to pray, but, but I really don't have words to speak. Pray the scriptures, you could pray Psalm 139. So I'm setting this forth today as a prayer for us. So here we go. Let's get into it. Psalm 139. Man, I'm pumped up to share this with you. Verses 1 through 4. Let's read this together as I, as I share with you. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. I love how this starts out. It says, you, you have searched me, and you know me, is what the scripture here says. Search and know. You know, the search in the Hebrew, and this would have been written in Hebrew first, that, that indicates a diligent, difficult probing. That sounds like a trip to the doctors, right? A difficult and strenuous and, and diligent probing. This is the same word that would be used for investigating a legal case. So this word search is meant to get really deep into your business is what it's talking about. The God is in the nooks and crannies and, and to know, well, that means to discern. The original Hebrew means to discern, to, to have complete understanding. And so what's this telling us? God is probing deep into your life. He's like investigating you almost. He knows you. And he's understood you fully. He's discerned who you are. And this indicates knowledge of the intimate, personal, private thoughts and deeds of our lives. I mean, check it out. Listen to what it says. It says, you know when I sit and when I rise. In other words, God knows all of your human activity. This is poetic. And what the author's saying is, hey, you know everything. You know when I sit, sit down. You know when I get up. You are in all of the details of my life, all the person's activities. And this speaks to God's omniscience. Big word, I know. 
God's omniscience. You know, David, who is credited to be the author of this psalm, was a great king, but he was also a great theologian. And here he, he sets forth for us this great like teaching almost on the omniscience of God. Here's what I mean by the omniscience of God. God, the source of all knowledge, knows all things, past, present, future. That's the omniscience of God. God knows everything. There's nothing that's, that's hidden from him. Um, God's knowledge is different too. It's different. You know, John Calvin, the famous theologian, talked about this. He said, you know, you, you and I know that an apple is red. But an apple isn't red because you and I know it's red. With God, however, God looks at the apple and knows it's red, and it's red because God knows it's red. In other words, God's knowledge determines reality. God's omniscience means that he is aware of what we're doing, even what we know and what we don't know. It's incredible. God knows everything. He, he's deep in, in, our, in, our, in our minds. He knows our lives. He's probing. And he's known us. He's understood us. You know, when we pray often in this room, when we're praying, when we're worshiping together, whether it's in person or online, we will say things like, use your imagination as you're praying. Imagine Jesus walking through this room. Talk to him as if he's here. You might even imagine him touching you on the shoulder. Have you heard us say things like this? You know why we say that? Because we believe that he is present. He understands what's happening in your heart. And so we pray. When we pray, we pray as if God is in the room and he knows exactly what we're thinking because he does. He is here. And he knows exactly what we're thinking. There's nothing hidden from God. This kind of is mind-blowing. It reminds me of something that happened when I was in high school. When I was in high school, I, I played on the football team, and our football stadium wasn't on the high school campus, so you had to drive to get to practice. Well, I had a buddy, and this buddy would give me a lift to practice, but we would make a pit stop on the way to practice at a girl's house, because you know how it is when you're in high school, right? So we'd make the pit stop at the girl's house, and, and eventually, I was late for practice, and I got in trouble with the coaches, and my parents found out about this. So my parents said, hey, knock it off. No more going with your buddy and stopping at the girl's house way to practice. Get to practice. My parents are those kind of people. Get to practice, right? And so I thought, sure, sure, whatever you say, mom and dad. Thinking to myself, hey, they'll never know. I'll just make sure I get to practice on time. It's all cool. I'm going to keep going my buddy, and yeah, we'll make a pit stop here and there. So one day I made the pit stop. This isn't long after it. And on the way, we're rushing to get to practice. And on the way, there was, there was an accident, a bad accident on the road that we were going to to get to the, 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 the stadium. And this accident was so bad that Channel 4 News was set up at an intersection with their cameras and with, you know, someone holding a microphone and being interviewed and we happened to be, my buddy and I, the first car at the traffic light, and the camera lingered on us for a really long time. And guess who was watching the news? My mother. And for years, my mother thinks that this means that she's omniscient, that she knows everything. Everything that happens in my life. And it seemed like she really did at the time. 
No, there's nothing hidden. There's nothing that's hidden. That means that the things that happen in the dark aren't really in the dark. That means that that private web browser you've got isn't so private. There's nothing that is hidden. I want to say this to you. Our sin may go unnoticed by others, but the Lord is always aware of it. There's nothing hidden from the omniscient God. And I know that's like a heavy thought, but understand this. He has searched us. He's probed. He knows the the nooks and crannies of our thoughts, our actions, all of it. And, And He has known us, understood us. It's an incredible truth, and we have to wrestle with this, the fact that God is omniscient. Let's go back to the text, and let's keep going here on Psalm 139. Again, I encourage you, adopt these words as a prayer. These, these words can be your words as you pray and talk to God. Let's look at what they mean. Starting up, back up in verse 8, the, the psalmist says, If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So we've talked about God's omniscience. Now let's talk about God's omnipresence. Okay, let's talk about the fact that that God is fully present. This is important. Fully present everywhere in the universe. That's big. That means... That, that right now as we're worshiping together in this room, God is with us. That means that those who are worshiping online, hi everyone, God is there with you. Where two or more are gathered in his name. He's there also. God is fully present. And here's what's also incredible. That doesn't mean that God has his pinky here in this room and he's stretched out and he's got his toe somewhere in someone's living room, you know, kind of like a giant twister. You think of the glove? No, God is fully present here. And he is fully present there. And he is fully present in Asia. And he is fully present in Africa. Isn't that mind-blowing? This is the the omnipresence of God. Here's how Psalm 139 puts it. Psalm 139 says, If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my beds in the depths, you're there. In other words, if I go up to eternity, if I go up up to the heavens where you're present, God, if I'm in the grave, the depths, if I'm in in life and in death, you're everywhere. That's what it means. And then he goes on, he says this, I love this. He says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, we're before airplanes, of course, here. And he said, look, if if I could be like a bird and fly fast and far away, you'd be there. And he says, look, even if I settle on the far side of the sea, in other words, if I go to the darkest, scariest place for the Israelites, the sea was considered to be scary, unknown, mysterious. He says, even if I go there to the darkest places, you are still there. God, there's nowhere we can go where we can't see him. God's omnipresence means that there's no place where we can find ourselves beyond him. Now, this is important. No place we can find ourselves beyond him. You know, right now, I think there's a lot of people who are feeling alone. There's a lot of depression right now. 
I mean, suicides, overdoses are cropping up all over the place. It's awful. It's horrific. It's, it's tragic. There, there's no place where you can go, where you can keep the Lord from your side. And so I, I sense right now that there are some, again, worshiping with us in a lot of different ways that need to hear this. You're not alone. You serve an omnipresent God. And he's present. He's here. He's with you. Wherever. There's nowhere you can go where you're not in his presence. You can't outrun him. You can't go too low. You can't go too high. You can't go too far. He is present. Look at Deuteronomy 31.6. This was our verse of the year in 2020. I'm actually, it reminds me of a verse of the year in 2020. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Reminds me of Joshua 1.9. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you hear that? He will never leave you nor forsake you. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Fully present across the universe. Let's continue in Psalm 139. Look at verses 11 and 12. They talk more about this. The psalmist says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be, able, will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is like light to you. So look, darkness, failure, disappointment, defeat, the pain of separation, anxiety, Sometimes all these things can mount up and it feels like the darkness is going to swallow you. I want to point you back to a scripture we looked at at Christmas time, Christmas Eve to be exact. John 1.5, which says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Look again, if this is you, if you're feeling alone, separated, depressed, anxious, beat down, no matter what is going on in your life, God is with you. And his might and his power are active on your behalf. Someone got to hear that today. Do I get an amen on this? I mean, you've got to know this is true. You know, I was thinking about this statement. I was thinking, okay, does this pertain to just the Christian? Just the person who loves Jesus? Well, I absolutely believe that that statement, that no matter what's going on in your life, that God is with you and his might and his power working on your behalf, I absolutely believe that that pertains to the person who loves God, who trusts in Jesus. But I'll say this too. There's some of you who maybe haven't trusted in Christ the Savior. You, you just have a lot of questions and you're not sure and you got some history or whatever it might be. I believe that that can be true for you too. For many of you, even though you haven't really committed yourself to the Lord, even though you don't, you're not seeking him actively, God is working in your life. He's present. And no matter what you're going through, regardless of what you're going through, his might and his power are working on your behalf. Be encouraged. And here's what I would say, because of this, would you turn to the Lord? Knowing that he is present everywhere, knowing that he, he knows all things, would you turn to the Lord and say, God, help. I know you're there. 
help me. I cry out to you. I'm asking you, I'm seeking you, and I need your help. Let's keep going in the text because we got this really amazing part that we're going to look at right right now, verses 13 through 16. Check it out. The scripture says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully made, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, this may be one of the most beautiful pieces of literature ever written. David was talented. This is incredible. Inspired by God. And you know, uh, Eugene Peterson says, when you see birth, when you witness birth, you don't calculate, you marvel. And, and this reminds me of that, right? As you consider the wonder of human life created in the womb, marvel. What a beautiful section of literature that was just read out loud in, in this space right now. It's incredible. And I, and I love what the psalmist says here. He says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Man, that's intimate. So my, my mother-in-law, Lois, uh, she gave my wife this wonderful gift. She, she knit this little thing. I don't know what you call it. You put it on your head, it warms your ears, right? Some kind of like ear warmer. We'll call it an ear warmer. She, she made, she knit this, this ear warmer. She actually knit a few of these and gave them out at Christmas time. Now, now Lois could have gone on Amazon and ordered one of these and had it there in two days. Super simple and easy. And it would have been a nice gift. But how much more does the gift mean? Knowing that Lois sat in her living room and she knit this. And I'm sure as she knit this, she thought about Lisa. She thought about a lot of memories of Lisa probably as she knit this. Knowing Lois, I'm sure she prayed for Lisa and our family as she knit this and wove this together. You get my picture? I mean, we have been knit. We've been woven by the God of the universe who's omniscient, who's, who's omnipresent. We've been knit together in the womb by him. This is an incredible truth. You know, the ancients thought about the development of a child in the womb as one of the great mysteries. Look at what Ecclesiastes 11.5 says. It says, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb. This is before ultrasounds. So you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. You know, the reason that you heard Malachi, and you've heard us here talk about our passion for life is because we believe that the Lord knits and weaves a human being in a mother's womb. And we believe that abortion interrupts this miracle. It's a miracle that happens. That God knits together a human life. He's, he's woven our lives. We believe that, that abortion interrupts that. What a tragedy. We see that as a tragedy. And, and you might say, well, why are you so against it? No, we are for life. 
Because of what we read in Psalm 139, this beautiful piece of literature, we can't help but say, you must choose life. We have to advocate for life. Because God has knit us and woven us, even in our mother's wombs, while we love choices. And and this section also says this. I love this word. It says that, that all the days ordained for me, ordained, all the days that were kind of selected, chosen, All the days were picked out for me. And and this tells us this, the Lord has planned and determined our days. We can see this poetically. We can see it literally. The Lord has planned and determined our days. That means the length of life. That means that he has planned tasks for us to do. Look at Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament. It says, for we are God's handiwork, woven, knit together in our mother's wombs, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared in advance for us to do these things. I mean, flight or fight. There's no escape from God. God is the creator and author of every detail of human life. He knows the number of our days. He's ordained them. He even has tasks prepared for us to do. Things he's planned in in advance. Man, that's why we're so passionate about this. And then the psalmist, going back to Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18, he says this, How precious are your thoughts to me. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. I love it. He says, how precious. Again, going to the Hebrew, that means weighty, significant, valuable. He says, man, these are heavy thoughts, God. They are precious. They're incredibly like, they're like gold. And he says, look, if I were to count them, I like this. The sum of them so great, he says, were I to count them? So I actually tried to do this. So I'm going to try to count them. I'm going to tie it right back to, to 13 verses, uh, 13 through 16. I'm going to try to count the ways that God has, has, has proven his great wonder, his love for us. His omniscience, his omnipresence. And so what I did was I went through and I, I, I looked up the different parts of the human body, the components of the human body. And I counted them. So there are 79 organs in a human body. There are 206 bones. There are over 500 joints in the human body. There are over 600 muscles in the human body. Over 3,000 nerves. You keep track of all this and adding it up? You add all that up, that doesn't even count hairs, which some of you don't have many, but still, it doesn't even count the hairs on your head. It doesn't count fingernails and stuff like that. You add all that up and then multiply it by 7.5 billion people, number of people on the globe today. And then add on top of that, all the people who have lived throughout human history. So when the psalmist says, look, if I were to add all them up, if I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. He say, man, your works, God, your thoughts are so incredible. I couldn't ever, ever sum them up. It's incredible. Man, adopt that as your prayer. What a prayer. God's personal forming of your life, of any life, is an awesome revelation of the immensity of his brain, so to speak, of his intelligence, of of his incredible uh, thought center. 
It's incredible who God is. We see it reflected in this psalm. So, fight or flight, right? Fight or flight. Do we hide from God? Do we seek to fight God, to resist him? Do we run from him? Davis, not Davis, David shows us a different response when we're confronted with sin and difficulty. And here's what David's response is. We see it here reflected in this psalm. David drops to his knees, surrenders to God, and prays from the bottom of his heart. I want to show it to you. Look at verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 139. What do we do? Do we run? Do we hide? Do we fight? We resist God? No, listen. David says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Talk about a conversation with God. Talk about an encounter with God. What's David say? David says, look, God, search me, probe me. Know me, understand me fully. I want you to do it. He says, look, I want you to search me because I know that you already know everything. You're everywhere. You you knit me together in my mother's womb. God, search me. What a posture. And then he says this. He says, At the end, lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. Let me ask you a question. What path are you on? Which way, which road are you on? Are are you on a good path or are you on a bad path? I mean a bad path where you're resisting God, where you're fighting against him, where you're running from him, hiding from him. Is that your path? Is that the path that you're choosing? We have a choice here. The good path or the right path. David says, lead me in the way. Lead me in the path everlasting. Lead me on the road, the way, the path that leads to eternity, God, with you. Where you are. You know what that reminds me of? John 14, 6. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, And the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. You see, he is the way to everlasting life. Which way are you choosing? Which path? Look, here's what David modeled for us. Drop to your knees. Surrender and pray from the bottom of your heart. Are you confronted with your sin? Are you confronted with the difficulty of life? Do you have challenges? There's the answer. The psalm lays it out for us. We drop to our knees. We surrender to God. And we pray from the bottom of our hearts. My friends, may you pray the words of Psalm 139. Make them your own. And may you see that this omniscient, omnipresent, incredibly powerful God has knit you together even your mother's womb. He's prepared things for you to do. He's, he's given your, your life a number of days. And he desires to put you on the road, on the path of everlasting eternal life. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we do come before you. And as we do, we drop to our knees. God, we surrender to you. God, as we come before you, 
we pray from the bottom of our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that as we do consider these things, that we consider that you are omniscient, that you are omnipresent, that you've knit us together in our mother's wombs. I pray, Lord, that will give us great hope. And that when we face challenges, and even when we come face to face with our own sin, that we would turn to you and we'd say, God, search me and know me. That we would trust in you and your goodness and your grace. I pray, Lord, that we would have a conversation with you. I pray, Lord, that in that conversation, as we get real with you and get serious about Jesus, we'd also have an encounter with you. And that encounter would change our lives. So Lord, if there's anyone here who wants to drop to the knees, so to speak, and surrender and pray from the bottom of their hearts, I pray, Lord, they would pray John 14, 6 and say, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the way. He's the way to everlasting life. He's the road. He's the highway to God. And I pray, Lord, they'd find that you also, through Jesus, have given us life and truth. Oh Lord, may we know you in the way everlasting. We pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.